This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is sponsored by DoorDash, Pepsi, Bet Online, and Regions Field. Go check all of them out at their various websites and apps. So go, you know, give them some of your business if you'd be so kind. So we're going to jump right in here today. We're going to have ESPN Saints reporter Mike Triplett on in a few minutes, and he and I are going to break down the Lions and the Saints. Big game for both teams right now at 1-2 and two on Sunday. But before we get to that, just one small bit of news when it comes to the Lions. The Lions did activate safety J. Ron Curse on Thursday. And in doing so, they cut running back Ty Johnson. So this has made Detroit incredibly heavy in the defensive backfield, particularly at safety. And it's made them actually fairly light at running back now. Those could mean two different things. Now, first, I would imagine if Ty Johnson were to clear waivers, Ty Johnson likely would be and would end up being placed on the practice squad. That would seem to make a lot of sense. And as we've seen, there is no problem bringing a player up to the practice squad if from the practice squad to the active roster if you need him, and then playing him. We saw that with D. Virgin and Kenny Wiggins earlier this year, but. You look at what the Lions have at safety right now, active, and they've got Tracy Walker, and they've got Deron Harmon, and they've got Miles Killebrew, who's a safety slash linebacker, and they've got Will Harris, and now they've added J. Ron Curse to that mix, and they also have C.J. Moore. Now, C.J. Moore is injured at the moment, so he's unlikely at this point, in my opinion, to be active on Sunday. He's more of a special teams player regardless. So you're looking at, well, where does J. Ron Curse's role fit in? Does he maybe take special team snaps from Killebrew or from Walker or from Harris? Or does he take maybe even safety snaps from Will Harris? That's going to be something to watch here, I think, as it goes on. The Lions used him in a bunch of different ways during training camp. So they know what they're getting. I think they do have a plan for him. And Curse gives them just such a different type of body than any of the other safeties that they have. In he's 6'4, he's 220 pounds. The closest guy they have in an approximation is Miles Killebrew, 6'2, 222. So 
that's going to be something that I think gives them a different look that allows them to maybe try some different things. As we all know, Matt Patricia loves to play a lot of safety packages. So it'll be curious to see how they implement using Curse now that games are going on. And who knows, we might not see much of Curse here on Sunday and maybe you see more of him after the bye when they have even more time to get him acclimated and caught much back up to speed. So looking at the practice squad right now, if Ty Johnson does clear waivers, where do they go? Well, they don't have a running back on the practice squad at the moment. They do have Kareth White, who's a combo wide receiver running back. They also have Joe Webb as a wide receiver on the practice squad. So they are a little heavy at receiver on the practice squad because Tom Kennedy is there as well. And obviously they've been really trying to develop him. So maybe that's a place that you potentially look to if they were to maybe make a move to try and keep Ty Johnson if he were to clear waivers. Because right now, here's the other thing. When you look at the Lions roster, they have three running backs active in that in carry on Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and DeAndre Swift. Now those three guys all have roles, but if one of them or two of them gets hurt during the game, then you run into a potentially a real problem. Now, Ty Johnson wasn't necessarily going to be active every week anyway. He has been in the past and he has played some sort of role more on special teams, but you can find different guys who can fit that area. And also in an emergency situation, they could always use Jamal Agnew as a running back. He is listed as a running back wide receiver, although a lot of that is so that way he could keep the number 39. So there are options, but they do feel somewhat thin at running back at this point and definitely feel a little bit heavy at safety. But again, with CJ Moore being hurt, that could also change things. We will get into the Saints and the Lions right after this break. So stick with us here at the Michael Rothstein Show. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Blue Wire. Don't forget, code is Blue Wire. Five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than one percent of one percent of one percent of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much. You watch, and if you watch the Detroit Lions on Sunday, you saw their first win in 11 months. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, and if you've watched the Lions over the last year, you've probably needed a lot of it, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. 
And the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein show covers the New Orleans Saints for ESPN. He's a good friend of mine and he is grateful enough to come on this show or even gracious enough to come on this show. Yes, it's been that type of week. Mike Triplett, welcome to the Michael Rothstein show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So are you going to miss coming to Detroit this week? You know what's funny is Detroit is one of the few stops on the NFL road trip trail where there's like a casino right downtown. And so I don't, I don't go to casinos that often or play cards, but every time I go to Detroit, I'd be like, you know what, I'll play a little poker. So during COVID, I feel like a casino is the last place, <laughs> the last place I might ever go back into. Uh, so so that, was, that was one of the things I like about the, the trip to Detroit is the convenience of like walking from my hotel room in and out of a casino. So, uh, so that was one thing I thought of. And funny enough, the, the other road trip I missed last week was in Las Vegas. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because when I go to New Orleans, usually where I stay is very close to Harrah's. Yeah, exactly. I would always go into Harrah's and play, play some blackjack or maybe play some – so there's a couple places that even when we when we get a handle on this thing that I, I wonder if I'll go back in. Casino is one. Uh, trampoline parks with my kids is another one where I just I'll I'll only see germs everywhere. I'll feel like I'm looking through a, a black light at the place. The oh time. yeah, that would not be like that's I'm that ain't my bag anyway because I don't have kids, so I'm not gonna worry about trampoline parks. <laughs> but no, I have wondered about that with casinos. I was actually. So not to go completely off the rails before we get started talking about the Saints, but when I was in Kansas City on the last trip that I took for work before COVID, I was there for an MMA event and I went to, I think it was the Harrah's in like just outside of Kansas City. And even then I remember being like, and that was before everything exploded, right? Yeah. I remember being a little bit weirded out then. I'm just like, I don't know how I'd feel about it now. Now, granted, I think I might feel a little bit better about it in some places versus others, if that makes sense. Um, But I don't know. It's it's a really interesting question because I do like playing my blackjack and I do not like playing my blackjack online. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of playing um, poker necessarily online either. I've done it with our wonderful sponsor bet online and it's, you know, gone, gone well sometimes, but it's, I, I miss being, having that interaction and being able to read yeah. people, you know? No, that's a good point. So, all right. So now that we've gotten our gambling fixes out of the way, <laughs> Michael Tom, which this transitions well for yeah, those exactly. who have seen the podcast potentially for gambling advice, Michael Thomas, what's the deal? Is he going to play? I mean, that's obviously the biggest question this entire week. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still too soon to tell, and I don't know if it'll still be too soon to tell an hour before kickoff or two hours before kickoff, but 
this is a realistic timetable because under the new rules, if you place a guy on injured reserve, he only has to miss three weeks. And the Saints decided not to place Thomas on injured reserve after week one, which and he's missed two games. So that meant that from the very beginning, they were hoping he could probably come back by this week. So uh, Ben on the practice field, people say he looks good. Uh, they are not going to risk re-injury with him, though, because he's such a valuable long-term piece that they won't force it if if they don't think he's ready medically. But all signs point to a good chance of him playing. How does this offense change? And this might be a dumb question, but how does the offense change with him on the field versus not other than super tall dude who's really freaking good? Yeah. Well, the offense is – apparently really, really missed him because, you know, the talk of the NFL the last two weeks has been is, you know, uh, the scrutiny on Drew Brees not getting the ball downfield. The Saints have less, the least yards in the NFL by wide receivers this year. Um, he's pretty much throwing exclusively to Alvin Kamara um, and, and occasionally to Jared Cook. So uh, Thomas is obviously missed from that regard. And look, I, I think Drew Brees is still a very effective quarterback. I don't think his arm strength has been what has made him special for several years. Uh, he can pick apart defenses with short and intermediate throws and smart decisions and reading the defense and finding his best option. But Michael Thomas is a perfect player for that. Short and intermediate throws, he's your man. Um, you know, he makes some plays downfield and plays after the catch as well. But if you're talking about high percentage throws in the 10 to 15 yard range, that's how he caught 149 of them last year. So like you said, they're going to a lot to Alvin Kamara without Michael Thomas on the field. Is that something that a, an opposing defense can take away or is Kamara versatile enough? Yeah. And he can be in enough spots that you can't really kind of plan yeah. and eliminate him. Well, what's interesting, and, and first of all, the other big thing, if Michael Thomas is back, is defenses pay so much attention to Thomas that maybe Emmanuel Sanders can finally get freed up. Maybe it's harder. You can't take away Thomas and Kamara. So, uh, but you're right on Kamara. And what's interesting to me is, even though there's been so much talk about Drew Brees not throwing the ball downfield, defenses are still sitting back in a lot of cover two against them and, and giving the same the checkdowns and the checkdowns have been really effective um, um that dump off to Camara the other day when they wanted to throw deep he just took it 52 yards for a touchdown himself I'm almost surprised teams aren't taking the screen pass to Camara away and daring Drew Brees uh to throw deep but they're, they're trying to keep everything in front of them and, and Brees is the kind of guy who's like look I don't have anything to prove I'll take the checkdown if that's what you're giving to me and, and surprisingly so far that's how defenses have played the season do you think he can still throw the ball downfield with? Yeah, it's accuracy? not like Aaron Rodgers, who we just saw coming to the Dome Sunday night and while on the run, just flick his wrist and throw the ball 50 yards in the air. He can't do that. But he, you know, he completed 140 yards down the field to Jared Cook in week one. We saw him throw some deep throws in practice. Um he, he's it's it's not always the highest percentage throw, and he's not gonna force it just out of principle. Uh, but if that's what's wide open, he'll still make that throw. Beyond Thomas, it looked like a couple other guys got banged up last week for the Saints. Uh, I think Andres Pete went out yeah. briefly, right? And I don't yeah, know what he'll be. He, he, chances are he will not play this week because uh, he suffered a high ankle sprain and actually left on a cart. Now, he also hasn't been placed on IR, so he might not be out that long, but 
I'd have a hard time expecting him to play in this game. And then Jared Cook right. got a great injury in that game, and, and, and his status will be uncertain until we see him back uh, practicing too. So if, they, if they're without, let's just, for argument's sake, say they're without Thomas Cook and Pete. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you, people can't yeah. see you, but you're, you're laughing a little bit. Like, what does that really do to the effectiveness of what Drew Brees is able to accomplish other than Alvin Kamara? Well, I don't want to call Pete replaceable. They just paid over $11 million a year to re-sign him. But they do have two other guards who are starting caliber. Nick Easton has actually been starting um, uh, at the other guard spot while they've been bringing along rookie first-round draft pick Cesar Ruiz from Michigan slowly. Um, so Easton and Ruiz would be the starters, and, and both of them are, are starter-worthy players. So I don't think you'd see a huge drop-off on the offensive line. Uh, but, yeah, you would like to have either Thomas or Cook in the offense, certainly missing both of those guys uh, as the two big targets um, who, who present matchup problems would, uh, would, would make it uh, even more difficult for the Saints to get the offense going since it hasn't really found a consistent rhythm yet this season. Where, where do you think those targets go if Cook doesn't play? I mean, is it just – they might just throw to Kamara 20 yeah. times yeah, yeah. or well, there are guys yeah, yeah. that they can work in. <laughs> yeah, look, they do have other options. I mean, um, we've been waiting to see Emmanuel Sanders get loose. Uh, now it would be hard for that to happen if the defenses know he's the one guy they have to most pay attention to. I think he'll start to have a lot more success when everyone is healthy. But Emmanuel Sanders is an obvious guy. Uh, Traquan Smith is a third-year receiver who is starting to put together some of uh, some consistent performances after he's been a little up and down in his career. Kamara out of the backfield, obviously Taysom Hill. They could be doing more with him than they have so far um, this season. Uh, Deontay Harris, they're all pro punt returners, a guy they wanted to get more involved in the offense and screens and jet sweeps and stuff. So there are other options in this offense, but, uh, but they all work better if defenses are concentrating on Thomas and Jared Cook. You mentioned Taysom Hill and that they haven't used him as much this year as in past years. Is that just the novelty sort of worn off on making him a complete gadget player or is there something else going on? No, I mean, there's just a lot of things that aren't working for this offense. Um, now that's one of the more surprising because they, his best game of his career was their playoff loss to the Vikings in January. And it just, and, you know, and then they signed him to a lucrative extension um, I thought he'd become a bigger part of the offense. But but like I said, I thought he would be a bigger part of the offense. I thought Emmanuel Sanders would be. I thought Deontay Harris would be. And they're just not really getting anyone going other than Alvin Kamara so far to start this season. Um, uh, you know, I, maybe maybe it's easier for defenses to, to match up against those guys when they're not worried about Michael Thomas, or maybe it's just a small sample size. But uh, unfortunately, Taysom Hill had a fumble, a lost fumble that was very costly on Sunday night, just the second one of his career. So uh, it, it's hard. It, there, there aren't many people holding up signs outside of the Superdome right now saying we need more Taysom Hill after, after a pretty costly play the other night. But obviously, we know that he's got more to offer than we've seen so far this season. Is he – is it possible, and I'm just throwing this out there as a hypothesis, that teams have finally figured out how to defend this offense without a superstar receiver? Because for so long they've had that, whether it, going all the way back to, you know, the Marcus Colson days. Um, right. is, it, is it possible that maybe teams have figured it out and they've just been kind of waiting for the moment where it's like, oh, hey, I don't have to worry about Michael Thomas or Colson or, or any of those former number one guys that Breeze has had. 
I mean, it's, it, it's possible, but um, like I said, the, the trend we've seen for the most part has still been teams sitting back in coverage and taking away the, uh, the, the depot, which is always a smart strategy. Um, but with the Saints, they're not necessarily a team that you benefit by saying, hey, we're going to make you take 12, 13 plays to get down the field. The Saints are like, okay, we'll do that. The Saints have always done that really well. Uh, Breeze actually, the last two years, had the highest passer rating of his career, uh, the two highest passer ratings of his career, and the two best completion percentages in NFL history, and they went 13-3 and both years. He's patient. He's not going to just throw foolish interceptions. Um, They're not turning the ball over a lot. So they're not a team where you're like, make them inch their way down the field and wait for them to make a mistake. The Saints – don't necessarily make a mistake, but there's no question that they need to find a couple of those explosive plays because inching the way it down has not been enough, especially so far this year. Flipping it to defense a little bit, the last time the Lions saw the Saints, which has been a couple of years now, their defense was just flat bad. Like it just wasn't a good defense. <laughs> it looks like that has changed and that this defense is, is much more effective now. Where have they making made the most growth you think in the last I guess two seasons or so well it depends if you want to go micro or macro because the the 2017 through 19 Saints that that you know were in Super Bowl contention every year three years in a row had the most wins in the NFL during that three-year stretch the defense was a huge part of the turnaround became almost like a top 10 defense the one and two Saints right now the defense has regressed that's actually the the theme of uh, the story that I broke down uh, for ESPN this week is that as much as we're putting Drew Brees under the microscope, the defense has, has been the bigger culprit in their two losses. But yeah, it should be better uh, and it should be a strength. Did it to be? They've got all pro caliber talent on every level. Demario Davis has been a huge addition as the weak side linebacker, first team all pro last year. Cam Jordan has been an all pro first or second team three years in a row at one defensive end spot. Uh, I think they're cornerback duo of Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins should be one of the best in the NFL, though they've battled a little inconsistency in the last couple of weeks. Um, so uh, that had trended toward being a strength, and I thought it would be again this year, but they've had a couple of blips the last couple of weeks, and it's been a variety of things that have caused them problems. They could not stop Darren Waller, 12 catches for the tight end in their week two loss. And then last week, Aaron Rodgers burns him over the top with two deep passes. And they also have nine defensive pass interference penalties for almost 200 yards this year, which you hope is a small sample size because that obviously those are killer penalties. Oh, absolutely. Especially since they're spot fouls still. <laughs> like that's just, that's just devastating. What, what do you think they would potentially do defensively when they're fa- because they faced obviously an undermanned Packers wide receiver core, yeah. but they've faced teams that in the past that have good receiving units. Will yeah. they attach Jenkins and Lattimore to specific receivers, like maybe Lattimore yeah. to Galladay and Jenkins yeah. to Marvin Jones, or will they play sides and kind of say, okay, you, you deal with your side? Well, the Lions are interesting because they have two threats at wide receiver, but uh, when, when there's a clear number one threat, which I think is how they'll probably treat Galladay, uh, uh, assuming full health and full participation, uh, Lattimore would be the guy to shadow Galladay. And actually, that brings the best out in Lattimore. Uh, Lattimore has admitted that he slacks off a little bit when he's not playing a big-name receiver. 
And sure enough, Devontae Adams doesn't play in this game, and they get torched over the top twice by Alan Lazard. Like it, I think it takes matchups like Kenny Galladay to get the best out of Lattimore. So, so seeing Galladay as returning from injury, it was probably like high fives in the Saints defensive coach's office. Like, all right, we're going to get the all-pro version of a Lattimore in this game. <laughs> you kind of look at – is it – that you mentioned the blips on the defense. Is it more the coverage like Lattimore hasn't been facing an all pro or is yeah. it the pass rush or is it just everything everywhere is just. Yeah. This is, as I wrote, it's, it's sort of good news and bad news. The good news is there's not one like Achilles heel that they can't fix. The bad news is they've, they've had about 11 different things bite them in the butt once or twice. Um, like I said, against the Raiders, they just could not stop Darren Waller. Uh, and they weren't getting beat by the receivers. And then they go against the Packers, and, uh, and it's, it's two deep passes to Alan Lazard and, and these bootlegs. Their, their defense against the play action this year, Sean Payton said they looked like a high school team uh, not being able to defend the bootlegs. The penalties have obviously been an issue. The one thing that has been consistent is their run defense has been outstanding. Um, they actually have the best run defense in the NFL dating back to the start of the 2018 season. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in nearly 50 games. I don't think that'll happen this week, but it'd be ironic if Adrian Peterson was the one to do it to him. Um, so it, it feels like, look, in week one, they beat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay because their defense was really strong in that game. And it feels like they're not far off from having a good game, but the consistency clearly hasn't been. You mentioned Adrian Peterson. What was that like for his cup of coffee and that's what we'll call it with the saints because that's really what it felt like of all the stops he's made post vikings what was it like for him in that time when he was there he was frustrated but i also genuinely think he understood what happened to him in new orleans the saints believed he could be good and they were right he's been good ever since that was the beginning of 2017 and he wasn't washed clearly but Guess who he was the third running back behind? He, was, he, he didn't start out behind, but he ended up being behind Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, both of whom had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage that year. Both went to the Pro Bowl that year, two things that have never happened in, in the modern NFL. Um, so there just wasn't room for Adrian Peterson in that particular offense, but he can't feel too bad about it because he wasn't getting uh, – he, he, he wasn't losing touches to, to, to scrubs off the street. He was losing – uh, touches to the best running back duo in a season in NFL history. <laughs> <laughs> you say, obviously, you know, they have the best run defense the last couple of years. Do you think that the fact that they had him in-house for, what, half of a season? Yeah. If that, well, that helped them in understanding kind of what he's able to do and what he's not able to do, or the fact that he's, you know, 15 years in the league, everybody yeah. kind of knows at this point. Well, the one thing that definitely has to help is they know – the power that they're going to see when he runs a size and the power, because that was what everyone talked about on the practice field. They said the ground moved with his steps and stuff like uh, they, they, you know, until you see that firsthand, and obviously a lot of these guys have, have played against him in the NFL as well too, but um, it, it's a reminder when you go up against or Leonard Fournette or a Derek, something that, uh, uh, that it takes a little uh, extra wrapping to, <laughs> to bring a big guy like that down. How do you feel like their pass rush has been? Because you look at – you mentioned Cam Jordan earlier, and Cam Jordan has no sacks, which yep. is and probably – pressures and everything else are down too. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a disappointment. It's one of the 
one of the main areas where they've come up short so far this year. Now, their other starting defensive end, Marcus Davenport, will probably make his debut in this game. Um, he's had so many injuries early in his career that he hasn't quite lived up to his potential, but but he is a guy who has had flashes and stretches where he's a really effect, where he's lived up to his first round draft pick status. So that only helps if teams want to continue to double team Jordan, maybe that frees up Davenport. If they want to respect Davenport, maybe they can't double team Jordan as much. Um, so uh, that should help, but you're absolutely right to identify that as an area where they've come up short so far, especially in the last two weeks. Have they been double? Has Camp Jordan seen maybe more double teams this year? Yeah, probably a little bit more. But he, I mean, he always sees them, and he usually fights through them. But um, that's definitely been the game plan against them so far this year. You mentioned Davenport. The Saints obviously traded up for him, and if I remember correctly, gave up a pretty decent amount of capital to yeah. to do so. Is that one of the more frustrating picks so far? You think they've made because of the injuries? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, he's he, he's lost a lot of uh, <laughs> benefit of the doubt slash fan support if, if if you judge things solely on Twitter, which is the smart thing to do all the time. Uh, but uh, but yeah, look, because that was questionable. How like everybody wanted a defensive end, and he could still potentially be a really good NFL defensive end. But when you it, it, they paid two first round draft picks, you know, they traded up in round one and gave up their future first. So um, it, it cost two first round picks to acquire. Uh, him and uh, that's a huge investment and you want that to pay off even more than a traditional first round draft where where do you think when he is healthy if he does make his debut he's most effective is it almost kind of making defenses to pick like we were talking about before with Cam Jordan or there are other areas where he's just potentially could excel if he stays healthy he's got pretty good speed and athleticism for for a guy his size a big tall length He'll win those one-on-one matchups. I mean, the beauty of having a guy like Davenport is it makes your defense pick your poison. Um, you, you do have to decide. If if you're like, we just can't let Cam Jordan beat you, then then Davenport can hurt you. I mean, that's that's the concept anyway. <laughs> when So kind of just wrapping up a little bit when it looks at, at this matchup, how do you think this plays out on Sunday, especially with all of the unknowns when it comes specifically with the Saints? Well... Look, you got to take the Lions seriously after they had a nice win this last week. But but when you look at the Saints being a one and two team, their their first two game losing streak in three years since the start of seventeen, um, they can't they can't lose this one. I mean, this is this is one of the the games matchup wise that they're supposed to win. This is a time of the season where they need to win. Um, so going in, you know, you can chalk up a seven point loss to Green Bay, who's one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, is not devastating. But you lose three straight uh, because you go into Detroit and, and can't take advantage of that matchup, then, then you know, all of a sudden you're presented with <laughs> the sense of urgency slash uh, uh, panic uh, considerations that, uh, that, that, you know, stress out a locker room. Now, the fact that maybe the NFC South isn't as strong as maybe we thought with Atlanta, you know, being losing leads worse than Detroit has been and Carolina just probably being a year or two away. Like, does that maybe soften that blow if for whatever reason they did lose on Sunday? Where you only have to worry about Tampa, which you've already. Yeah, beat. I mean they're not they're not going to throw in the towel if they're one and three because well first of all they were zero and two in 2017 they finished eleven and five, um, 
you know, they have recent experience uh, of that. They were 0-1 two years ago. They finished 13-3. and So they, they know of, of shaky starts and how getting hot in October, November, December can change everything. Um, so, no, they know they're talented enough that they won't throw in the towel. Uh, and, yeah, they get to play Atlanta twice. So, <laughs> so, so you can be down 16 in the, in the fourth quarter and still, uh, still get those wins. But, no, look, it, it'll be very discouraging, but it will take a lot. I mean, yeah, this team, this team could go into the turn at, uh, at uh, two and six and, and not throw in the towel because eight and eight might get you in the playoffs this year with that extra spot. So, at the end of the day, who do you think wins on Sunday? I'm going to pick the Saints to win um, because I do think they've only been a tick off here, a tick off there, as opposed to showing real problems that can't be fixed. And and I think they're the more talented team. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the NFL once they get there, uh, once they get back on track. Hey, Mike, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. So you heard Mike make his pick or kind of a pick on the show. I'll quickly give you mine. I want to thank Mike Triplett for coming on the program as well. And I'm going to go with the Saints here, but I'm doing that mostly because I think they get Michael Thomas back. If they don't have Michael Thomas, I really like the Lions' chances in this game, especially if Jared Cook can't play as well. As you heard, we broke that down a lot in the podcast of what could happen if they don't have Cook or Thomas and how that changes how you defend the Saints. I think Thomas ends up coming back. And to me, that makes all the difference in the world for Drew Brees and for the Saints. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that neither defense is going to have a particularly easy time stopping either offense. So give me the Saints in uh, probably, let's go 30 Eight twenty-eight or thirty-eight twenty-one. I think that that's maybe where you look. Most most of these games between the Lions and the Saints over the last tech decade, the winning team has had at least thirty points. So I think at least one team will get there, and whatever team maybe gets there wins this game. I want to thank Mike Triplett for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Triplett. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can read both of us at ESPN.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Really appreciative for all of you for listening each and every week. Makes this show go. And please consider giving a five-star review to us wherever you listen to your podcast or download or subscribe. Any of that can only help this show going forward. And with that, we will chat with you on Monday.